Ah, mon Afrique, réveille-toi. Il est midi. Tu dors encore. Réveille-toi. N'écoute pas Babylone. Il t'a fourni des armes pour tuer ton peuple. N'écoute pas Afrique. Africa nanga oyamba toi cheveux crépus toi mayele bo simbani babige oya bilanga bo simbani bakongo simbani maboko monguna le kate o Africa malobate mon salande muindo yangolo Africa mobali yamingao Africa Atona solo Africa Tu gâtes ton nom par-ci par-là Quand c'était les blancs à Wakneko a souffert Mais c'était mal de connaître Négro a combattu pour arriver en black en black Devenu le stade de la guerre Le pouvoir est ta raison la tricherie ta seule arme, tu cries la démocratie pour ton profit personnel, toi Africa. Tu règnes par la justice, la course au pouvoir, toujours des coups d'État, toi Africa. Champion de la guerre, mais c'est toi toujours qui a faim, c'est toi toujours qui a soif. On te prend comme un bétail, tu suivras comme un mouton vers l'abattoir. Très intelligent, mais tu connais pas la honte, c'est pourquoi tu es le dernier. Wake up Africa, wake up Congo as the song reminds us. Yes, welcome to Congo Live. This is the authentic voice of the Congolese people. This is your host Patricia Loka and I'm on the phone with Kambale Musavuli. How are you doing today, Kambale? I'm doing very well. I'm waking up as you said. Um, looking forward to this very, very exciting show uh, that will be bringing the two continents, the African continent and the Americas together. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, today I wanted to do something a little bit different. Um, for the past few weeks, we've been listening to the song by Chiko Mawatu talking about Africa. And I wanted us to have a little bit discussion for our listeners who may not understand what the meaning of this song is so they can get a better grasp of what is the words of this song. And, you know, I'm going to give my perspective, but I want to get a feel of what do you feel about the song? How does it make you feel when you hear the song? Uh, the intro already makes me think of waking up in the morning. You have the birds there, and it tells uh, people who listen to the song uh, to wake up using Africa as a metaphor for people. Um, I would put it as people around the world that you know, you need to wake up. Uh, and he says that it is noon, right? So that the time is now. We can't wait uh, for more uh, things to happen for us to wake up. So he says... Uh, almost a message uh, specific to Africans through the different words he says in a song about the challenge that we have on the African continent. It's a rich continent. 
He has uh, resources and people, uh, wonderful people, uh, so many blessings, uh, yet uh, we are still behind because of a few factors that he mentioned in the song, uh, greed, um, local elites, pilfering the resources, and so on. Uh, speaking of the song, uh, I remember when we first started uh, this show, we were considering what song are we going to use to introduce the show. And um, Kambali had presented this song and I had never heard the song before. So I was like, man, this is a really long song. And one thing that I found very interesting was when I started to listen to the song and start and I started to watch the video, it brought everything together in the fight that we're trying to have right now to for the true independence of Congo. Uh, as you look at the video, you'll see um, different eras of Congo and what is happening in the country and the role that the leaders in the Congo are playing in the realities of what's going on within the Congo. And um, I don't know. Kamal, I don't know if you remember the conversation we had. You mentioned to me that um, it, it wasn't actually allowed to be played in the Congo. Why exactly would the leaders of Congo not allow a song like this to play? Well, the song was banned uh, mainly because uh, the current government felt that the artist uh, was um, talking negatively about the Congolese government. Mm. Uh, in the song, he, he has a section where he speaks about um, the challenge of the Congo, saying that we've always had uh, coup d'etats, right? Um, what rebels, is coup d'etat? Rebels pre pretty much taking over the country or toppling mm -hmm. a regime. So um, we, with him saying that within the video, he put uh, new sound bites of uh, the former president of the Congo, Mobutu. Uh, he put uh, Laurent Désiré Kabila, who has uh, who is now dead. Uh, he put um, Jean-Pierre Mbemba, who was at the International Criminal Court of Justice. Mm. And he put Kabila, who uh, joined him in saying, so I do believe that he did a coup d'etat, uh, given he wasn't elected in 2001. Somehow he became president of the Congo. So the government took uh, what do you try to do with the art as a personal attack, and they have banned the song from the Congo, so it cannot be played in Congo. Well, for our listeners who don't know the song, the name of the song is called Afrique, and it's by Chico Mawatu. And I'm really excited about today's show. We're going to talk about Congo and beyond Africa with a special guest by the name of Daniel Dawson. And um, before we get into that, I want, Kamali, if you can share a little bit of the news with us. Definitely. I um, want to remind our listeners, our friends uh, from Filimbi uh, are still in prison in Congo, in Kinshasa. Uh, specifically Fred Bauma and Yves Makwambala. Uh, we want to keep the story alive at every show. Uh, we still continue to uh, ask on people of goodwill around the world to put pressure whichever way they can. Uh, ask your government. Uh, are they putting pressure on the Congolese government to free young Congolese uh, who are exercising their right in the country? Uh, so I wanted to make sure that our listeners know that no, we want our friends to be freed as they want a free and liberated Congo. Uh, the second one is interesting, actually. There is a Ivorian artist by the name of uh, Tikenja Fali, who was invited to the Congo this week uh, to perform at a con uh, concert tomorrow Sunday in Kinshasa, uh, a jazz uh, festival taking place. And uh, he has been expelled from uh, the country uh, by the Congolese government. Him and his uh, 15, uh, uh, 15 artists who are with them. And um, the, the Congolese government has not explained why uh, they've kicked him out. 
uh, I'll kick his band and himself out of the country. And this is again another sign that uh, the repression in the Congo is getting stronger and stronger as um, you get uh, what, what I call a revolutionary artist coming to educate, mobilize, or inspire people on the ground, uh, the Congolese government is shutting them short before they even come inside of the country. Uh, the next one is that the student of Goma, you know, they have been very active at the University of Goma, organizing uh, civic actions to challenge the Congolese government, uh, mainly around their basic needs, having running water, into the university, uh, having um, working uh, toilets, uh, having uh, electricity so that they could study. And they see that the state uh, is not doing enough. You know, the University of Goma is a public university uh, which has received uh, less support from the Congolese government. And they've been mobilizing, the students at the university have been mobilizing their peers to demand more from the Congolese government. So it's, it's been very inspiring to watch how these university students are organizing on the ground. And the two positive news of the week. Congolese designer and entrepreneur Eric Ndelo has launched his Kickstarter. Uh, he wants to raise um, $50,000 to buy uh, machines that make t-shirts, like screen printing machine, to take to the Congo to train young Congolese in Goma on how to make their own t-shirts and help them in actually uh, selling it locally. And hopefully we'll get it also here. Uh, you'll be surprised to know that I received an exclusive copy of that t-shirt made in Goma, which we'll be posting on our Facebook page. And it's, uh, it's good to see you know, young Congolese living in the United States finding ways to go back on the ground and raise funds to bring to the people on the ground to create a local market and um, for people to be, um, be able to support themselves. And lastly, the news will not be the same if I do not say happy birthday to our great friend, Walter Matthew Heiser, a young Congolese uh, who always uh, have been so hungry to, uh, to learn more about the Congo. He reads, he writes, and he stays motivated. So I'm always uh, very impressed by him, uh, by how he even loves the library like I used to love the library. So I wanted to make sure that I let him know that we are thinking of him here at Congo Live, and happy birthday to you. Walter. Um, that's right. And be, uh, speaking of beyond Africa, the, uh, we're gonna sh our show is going to mainly focus around the presence and influences of the Kingdom of Congo into the Americas. For the subject of today's program, we'll have a conversation with Miss C. Daniel Dawson regarding early Congo presence in the Americas, which means the Caribbeans, North America, Central and South America. But before getting into the topic of the day, uh, we're going to listen to this song that is from Cuba, and the name of the song is called Sarabana. Um, and uh, hopefully you'll hear a little bit of rhythm of the Congo and when our speaker comes in though he'll elaborate a little bit more of the influences that we're hearing from the Congo in the song. Si yo vengo del arroyo, si yo vengo del arroyo, si yo vengo del arroyo. 
vengo del arroyo Si yo vengo del arroyo Si yo vengo del arroyo Sarabanda Calunga Primero, así zapatos, Saravanda, Uriagua 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 primero, así zapatos, Saravanda, Uriag
Malembe, Malembe, that was straight from Toque de la Palo Monte, uh, Mayombe. The name of the song is called Sarabana from Cuba. And to get back into the topic of the show, Beyond Africa, the presence and influences of ancient kingdom of Congo in the Americas. Uh, the conversation we're going to have today, we're going to have a conversation focusing around Old Congo, spelled with a K, and the presence of Congo in the Caribbeans, uh, North, Central, and South America, hence the term the Americas. And joining us from New York City is going to be our special guest, Mr. C. Daniel Dawson, which I'm really excited about hearing uh, from today. But if Kambali, you can give us a little bit of a bio of our speaker who's going to be on the show today. A fantastic uh, lecturer and scholar. Uh, we are very honored to actually have him. Now, Professor Dawson has done a lot of work in photography, uh, mainly also helping with uh, exhibits. Uh, over 40 exhibits uh, he has curated and uh, 70 exhibition uh, included the Harlem heyday um, that you know many people in Harlem have participated in. Uh, one of the things as a scholar he has done, he has focused on uh, bringing about the history of uh, the Congo in many universities and specifically the influence of the Congo Kingdom uh, in the Americas in places such as the University of California at Berkeley, University of Texas at Austin, even around here close to Chicago, University of Wisconsin-Madison. Uh, he resides in New York. He teaches at Columbia uh, still, and he focuses uh, in his seminar, uh, seminars in speaking about the African spiritualities in America. And uh, we're really look, looking forward to hearing from him uh, about how Congo has influenced the Americans. And before bringing Mr. Dawson on the show, we want to remind our listeners, we want you to participate and ask your questions as the show continues. And the number you're going to be calling is going to be 410-481-1010. And for those who didn't have a pen and you want to grab that number, it's 410 410- Four eight one one zero one zero. And again, I uh, wanted to welcome Mr. Dawson on the show. Mr. Dawson, are you there today? Hello, Mr. Da- Dawson, are you there? We're having a few difficulties, but we'll continue on until our engineer tries to uh, bring him in. Mr. Dawson, I was listening to one of his lectures that uh, Kamali, you had sent, and we were just having a brief discussion around some of his lectures. And what I found very interesting was how he was able to find connections between the old Congo and what we were seeing in Cuba, what we were seeing in Paraguay. He had mentioned different countries in the South Americas. And I found that very interesting where when we listen to the music that we hear from different parts of the world, where we will hear the drums and we will hear, um, you know, certain words that are being used in some of these Cuban songs, such as the song we just heard by Sarabana uh, saying Malembe, 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 meaning in Lingala, the language that we speak, meaning uh, slow and slow. Um, for me, I find it uh, very interesting because in, as a Congolese, you don't really um, find when you, you will hear, uh, for example, songs when you're hearing the rumbas and you're hearing the bombas and you're wondering, like, why does this sound like the Congo? But yet, you know, we don't hear, we don't 
constantly hear the people talking about the connection of it to the Congo, but I'm hoping yeah. that Mr. Dawson will give us some of these connections uh, once we get him on the line. If Mr. Dawson, are you there with us now? Hello, hello, Mr. Dawson. Yes, yeah, sorry about that. We were hello. having a little technical difficulties. Glad uh, to have you on the show. So, anyway, Patricia, I'm glad to hear you. <laughs> Welcome to Congo Live. I'm on the phone with uh, Kambali, Kambali, Mr. Dawson. And we're excited to have you on the show. As we were listening to the song Malimbe Malimbe, I was just talking about mm -hmm. uh, the meaning of the word Malimbe Malimbe in Lingala. Well, it's um, the same meaning in, 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 in uh, Cuba. Oh, wow. It means easy, smooth, or slow. But it's used in, in uh, Apollo ceremony. You heard, the song you heard from was, was for Zarabanda. Zarabanda is one of the Inkisi, Minkisi and Apollo. And it's a song for him. But in the middle of it, when it gets real heated, they start singing Malembe, Malembe, which means easy, easy. You know, it, it, it's so beautiful. But even the song you started with today was, was Wake, Up, Wake Up Congo or Wake Up Africa. Wake Up Africa. Yeah, when, when you listen to it, the, the kind of information that comes from the Congo to the Americas is so subtle, too. So you end up hearing that music, which is also rumba influence from, from Cuba. But that rumba from Cuba went back to Congo when they dumped all these records into um, uh, in, in the 50s into Western Africa, into in West Africa, in, in Cuba, including Senegal and Mali, and in the Congo. And it forms the basis of some of your contemporary rumba music. But it's really originally your rumba music coming back to you. Well, you before know? we get uh, into details, because I know you have a lot of uh, information to give us, mm -hmm. and I wanted to ask you a specific question. Sure. Uh, where do we find the influences of the ancient kingdom of Congo in the Americas? And is there a difference between today's Congo and the old Congo? Well, the, the ancient kingdom of the Congo and the Bakongo people, the spelling is a K. When, when you say Congo, when you use a C that's talking about the contempt, this is how historians do it now. This, you're talking about the contemporary states, the political states, and not necessarily the old ancient kingdom of the Congo. But, but you find it in, in, in subtle ways because this area of Africa sent the most Africans to the Americas. And also they sent them at critical times in terms of forming the popular culture. So you end up with so much of the influence there, and you think of it just as the culture. Like in Brazil, you talk about Congo stuff, and they'll think that's Brazilian culture. Mm. And you ask them to talk about their, their, their African culture, and they'll point to the Yoruba model, which was a later model. Because what they inherited was something already from Central Africa. The, the cultures were formed by people from Central Africa, and that's for most of the Americas. You know, so you, you already have one African country, an African culture, then you have an overlay of basically Dahomey, then an overlay of, on top of that of Yoruba culture, when you're looking at the stacking of, of the Cong African cultures in the Americas. So in, in the Americas, uh, what are the very visible and palpable evidence of the Congo Kingdom that uh, one may want to look at? Well, it's particularly true in Brazil. Where in, in Brazil, you have all these uh, ceremonial celebrations called congadas. Uh -huh. And when you look at what the liturgy says, what, what, what are they doing in the congada? They're coronating the king of the Congo. Yes. And sometimes, I mean, that's literally what they're doing, is coronating the king of the Congo. And, and, but but it, it's throughout uh, Central African-based religions in Brazil, Umbanda, there's a figure called king of the We are having a few difficulties with this phone. We're going to try to bring Mr. Daniel Dawson back in because he has a lot of great information to give. Mr. Dawson, are you there? I think his phone uh, just dropped, but uh, hopefully he'll give us a call back and we can get a lot of that uh, good information that he's giving us. 
Um, but before we do, let's take a short music break. Uh, by the name of the name of the song is called Fiesta o la El Bate de los Ayala. Excuse my Spanish; it's not uh, my first language, and uh, you'll hear a little bit of some of the influences that he's talking about when we're speaking of the drums and so forth uh, in the Congolese music and its influence across the Americas. apologize for some of those technical difficulties uh it happens sometimes and that's just the reality of radio and you're doing things live um daniel dawson are you there with us oh, today? yes i am i'm here <laughs> all right and you were telling us a little bit about uh the differences between the old kingdom of congo and the new congo for our listeners who were listening in uh, right well, there's basically a difference in spelling the the uh congo spelled with a k is normally referring to the old kingdom of the congo and congo with a c is referring to the contemporary political states but there, and we we had also gone on to talk about uh, some of the influences, and I, I mentioned um, in Brazil there are things called congadas, which are celebrations. And when you look at the liturgy of the celebration, what's going on is normally the coronation of the king of the Congo. Mm. And in in the in Umbanda, which is a Central African or a Congo-based religion in Brazil, also there's a figure, a spiritual figure, they're called Pretu Velho or Old Blacks but they represent ancestors, and one of the figures is called King of the Congo, is literally King of the Congo. So, it, I mean, the remembrance of the, the, the Kingdom of the Congo is still very strong. Even in Panama, they have a dance called King of the Congo. So, I mean, it's a, it's a contemporary, um, even though they're, they're, we're not talking about the, the, um, uh, a, a kingdom that still exists, we're talking about a remembrance of the old kingdom in the Americas. Mm. And, so the last song we played uh, had a lot of uh, percussion and call and response. Uh, is is that something also that has been uh, transported into this culture? Oh, and the music? of course. That's one of the major factors in, in the Americas, too, particularly a Central African model of drumming. You know, and that, what you were playing was bomba. That that was from bomba, and bomba is the national music of Puerto Rico. Mm. But the the national music of Puerto Rico really comes from Haiti. And it comes from Haiti, in, from Congolese people in Haiti. So it's really funny when you see it, because they sit on the drum and they play the drum. They change the pitch by putting their heel on the drum yeah. to change the tone. 
that's all Central African ways of, of um, uh, um, playing the drum, but also some of the uh, tuning techniques indicate where they come from. The fact that it's uh, tuned by fire is also one of the indications that it may well be a Central African-style uh, drum. But that's one of the most important parts of Congolese culture in the Americas, and it's, it's one of the great scholars, Fukiao, has written about uh, yes. singing, drumming, and dancing as, as one of the models for looking at the Americas. And that is the incredible for me, one of the most important cultural inputs in terms of the Congo in the Americas. Almost all the national musics in the Americas have a Congo base. Wow. I mean, it's scary to say something like that. If I were to say almost all the national musics in the Americas have a French base, everyone would say, oh, the French are so brilliant. Mm. Well, I, I feel the same way about the Congo people in terms of organizing for music and dance and for music and dance having social commentary. So which what occasions a- would you hear um, some of these drummings taking place in? Well, well, bomba was actually it's a it's a social dance, but it was initially used for healing, a ritual of healing, of calming down, of cooling after a death. You'd have a bomba, mm. you'd have something uh, done to cool the community down and to get the community kind of balanced again. But but it's now become the social dance and and, and the the kind of national identity of Puerto Rico. But 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 even if you look at the uh, the Americans and look at the dances, the 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 national dance of of Argentina and Uruguay. Mm-hmm. It's tango. Yes. But tango is, is, is a um, Congo word, too. It's from entangu to it, about the movement of the sun. But it's also oh, an wow. interesting form in, in terms of it comes out of other older forms. One is called candombe, which is the same as candomblé in, in Brazil. It also comes out of milonga, a line dance form. Oh, you, you, when you, whenever you talk about music in the Americas, you always end up using Congolese or uh, Bantu words. Mm-hmm. It's, it's in, incredibly important, and it's always there. You just have to realize and look at the codes for it. But you're looking at two national musics coming out of Congo in, in terms of um, Argentina and Uruguay, and people don't know that Argentina at one time had a huge black population. Yeah. You know, so you, and, and that black population is basically Bantu. The same with when you get to um, Colombia, the national music of Colombia is cumbia, you know, another Congolese word. The national music of Cuba is rumba, another Congolese word. Mambo is another Congolese word. Um, the, the styles of of of, of, um, of uh, rumba, yambu is is yambu is the, is is the, is, the, is, the, is really diambu from mambo diambu, the singular plural. But it's, it, you're looking at, at Central African words throughout the Americas, and but nobody seems to have put that all together. So you end up understanding this is an incredible cultural contribution to the Americas. The whole world dances to African-based music, but basically African-based music coming from Central Africa. Uh, so in the case of the United States mm-hmm. and those who are here, uh, what would be some of the examples of that influence in the music? Well, jazz is one example. And also, you know, look at the place where, where supposedly jazz was born. I'm, I'm not a, a fan of the kind of New Orleans-centric version of jazz being born in New Orleans, but it's an important nexus for American-based musics. And if you, if you look at, look at that, the, 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 the place where Africans gathered and played music and danced and continued their national cultures was called Congo Square. It was called Congo Square, because, La Place Congo. It was called that because the vast majority of Africans who were there were from the Congo. And then you end up with 
supposedly jazz and rhythm and blues and rock and roll coming out of that nexus, coming out of that particular location. So, I mean, but it's, it's an incredible contribution that's always there. But even, again, as I was saying, sometimes it's much more subtle. One of the, there's, a, there's a famous group called the Neville Brothers, and they have a picture they pose for their old, the history of the Neville Brothers, and they pose in Congo Square. But everything they're doing has a Congo base to it, too. They sing with a yodeling style, and they get it from country and westerners. But country and westerners get it from the field uh, shouts, the field hollers from uh, South Carolina. But they used to call it Negro jodeling or, or the Carolina shout. But that Negro jodeling is directly related to Central Africans who have been influenced by the Aka and the Mbuti and the Twa. And so you're ending up with a kind of so-called pygmy singing style that comes with Central Africans that ends up being part of the field hollers in South Carolina. And there's one scholar, in fact, I should mention to your listeners that there's a, I put together a bibliography for you of, of uh, books on the subject, and there's one scholar, John Thornton, who's written a lot about Congo influences in the Americas, and he thinks that up until the 1900s, early 1900s, that Congo was still spoken in South Carolina, wow. because so many of the words are still in the language, like you know, to, to talk about turtles as kutas, uh, you know, there, there are all these other things. Uh, Toni Morrison said when she was a kid in, in South Carolina that um, people would say, don't go in the woods, they got Simbi in the woods. Mm. You know, you're, 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 still, you're talking about Central African models that in South Carolina in the United States, too. As I'm listening to you, speaking of the different influences in the South Carolinas, I'm thinking of even the songs, um, the the song that we know know as as funk, sang mm -hmm. by James Brown. What influence right. did um, Congo rhythms have in some of his music? Well, it's, it's real funny because you can trust your sensibility. You know, when James Brown was really popular in the Congo because of the way he used breaks. Mm -hmm. But his whole idea of 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 the funk is. is Bob Thompson, one of the scholars on that list, also says he thinks funk comes from Luke Fuki, which means to sit close to an elder who has a strong odor, but it's not negative. It's as getting deep, as going to the deep things. And that's how James Brown used the word funky. He didn't mean let's get funky. He, he meant let's get deep. Let's take it deeper. But James Brown is coming out of, of South Carolina and Georgia. You're talking about areas seriously influenced by, by um, Central Africa. By the Americans, but also I remember when Africa Oye was a, it was a touring group of different African musicians from all over Africa, and whenever the Congolese musicians came out, you heard funk, you understood the, the roots of funk, because other musicians were beautiful and graceful, but when you wanted the funk, when you wanted that pocket, that it, it was always being played by South Africa, by, by Central Africans. And speaking of... Amazing, amazing. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's funny because even, even we can talk about it in, in, in terms of the influences so many places. And, and you know, like in, in Dominican Republic, in Puerto Rico, in Cuba, they understand the kind of African influence in, in, in their language. But so much of it is, is, is right there in front of you. But it's also true in the United States, but we don't know about it. I remember uh, someone was saying, I don't, I don't know any African words. I said, when you talk about tote bag... Where does tote come from? Tote's not an English word. Tote is from tota, which means to pick up in Kikongo. You know, mm -hmm. so you're, you're looking at words that have become part of the American parlance, and you don't realize that they also have an African origin, too. Yeah, it's quite refreshing to hear you uh, share those experiences. And one of the things, you know, I know I've asked many of my friends to tune in today to hear about Congo in their lives. Mm -hmm. uh, but why has this been very hard uh, to popularize or uh, to make it accessible uh, well, to well, people. 
We talk about it normally as the deficit models. People look at Africans coming to the Americas as being enslaved. And so they, they say, oh, those poor Africans were enslaved. They couldn't bring them a material culture. But that's a criteria that nobody coming to the Americas could, uh, could fulfill either. Nobody brought their material culture to the Americas. If you came even through, through um, uh, Ellis Island, all you had was a trunk. You didn't have the Louvre. You didn't have the British Museum. All your, all your culture resides in your minds, in your brains. And so Africans were not given that as bringing philosophies, bringing ideas, bringing constant things with them that, that um, from the way they lived, that didn't have to be improved, but that changed the way the Americans function. And you, but you see it throughout the Americas, where you see things like talking about the Haitian Revolt, which was one of the most important events in the Americas. And the Haitian Revolt was interesting because the the, the people who were were fighting were using models that they brought with them. They over they they defeated Napoleon's army using Central African warfare models, not European warfare models. And you know, so you end up with we. They would describe it here as guerrilla warfare, but it's not guerrilla warfare. It was a Central African model of small groups gathering together, attacking, dismantling. We would call that guerrilla warfare, but that was just a standard model of warfare. And John Thornton has also written about that, too, African warfare in the Americas, too. And we want to remind our callers who want to participate in this conversation and who may have questions to give us a call at 410-481-1010. 4104811010 and for those of you who I'm sure are very familiar with James Brown we want to play a song uh, by the name of I Feel Good and I'm sure everybody is well aware of that song but uh, just to give everybody a sense of some of this funk music we're speaking of Thank you and welcome. Uh, thank you for joining us on Congo Live. We have uh, Mr. Daniel Dawson, who's on the phone with us today, giving us a little bit of the history behind the Congolese music and its influences on the Americas. And uh, we also have Kambale Musavuli, who's calling us from Chicago. Um, I wanted to ask you, Mr. Dawson, a question. Mm-hmm. How much of Congo culture shaped the Cuban salsa music? And you mentioned a little bit about the jazz, but not really... Um, the the salsa portion of things and why is it that we don't give we don't we don't find now that people give a lot of credit to some of these people given that it's so far back. Mm-hmm. Oh well, well, 
well, the Cubans do. The Cubans know where it comes from, too. Mm-hmm. And but, is it just the Cubans, or will you find this, like, in different parts of the South Americas? Well, different, different parts of the Americas. And I, I think, particularly because of the work of Robert Ferris Thompson, people are beginning to understand the influence of the Congo and how, how, how important it was, and how it's just not, not uh, dismissible. So, you know, because, it, it's, again, that, that whole deficit model of Africans couldn't bring their material culture, mm-hmm. but we brought our minds. We brought everything we needed to recreate our culture in the Americas, and that's what we did. But, again, if Africans aren't attributed with bringing philosophy, you would never know it. And I, I, I talked about the Haitian revolt as that. But the Haitian revolt is really interesting because the thing they were calling guerrilla warfare, well, it had been described to me in, by Fukuyama, again, the Congolese scholar. He talked, there was a Congolese term called Nkomeye Nkome Bunzimbu. But it, and it means fist against fist is irrational, or fist against fist is basically stupid. You know, and that's a, that's a model that plays out throughout the Americas. It means force against force is stupid. And, and so you don't find African-American athletes doing force against force normally. You normally see mm-hmm. a kind of um, athletics-based and trickery and, and skilled movement and deceptive movement. And you, that ends up influencing Brazilian soccer, Cuban boxing, United States football, United States basketball. But to realize that's grounded in a philosophy that comes from Central Africa in terms of how you interact in a, in a, in a kind of athletic competition. You know, and, and, but you see it all the time. And it's been criticized by a lot by white commentators as though, like particularly with boxers, though he won't stand still and let me hit him. You know, that's his point. You know, why is, why is the heavyweight champion of, uh, of the world talking about I danced all night long? Where does the yeah. idea of danced athletics come from? Absolutely, absolutely. And we have a, a caller who's actually been patiently waiting by the name of Maggie, who has a question for you. And um, sure. if you can, uh, Maggie, are you there? Yes, I am. Peace and thank and you. For, to all of peace you. and blessings to you, too. And thank you for joining us here on Congo Live. We're always ha- happy to have our callers call in and ask questions. And what is your question for today? Thank you. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think I have um, uh, a contribution to make as an agreement because uh, your guest, uh, Sa Dawson, <laughs> I call him Sa, like an S A H. Uh, I don't use Mr. or Miss. And uh, I think his information is just so joyful. I'm just enjoying it. And I enjoyed you playing James Brown. I love James Brown. And I would, uh, I think we should not use the word influence because when something is inside of you, it comes out. It is not an influence. It's a part of you. It makes me think of a dear, dear beloved aunt uh, I have who's in spirit now. And Aunt Edna used to say, I don't know where it come from. I guess it come from one of our ancestors. <laughs> so it's like we're kinship. So there That's is funny. no, you know, real influence. When I think of the word influence, I think of the flu, and it is not the flu. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, you make me think of Rastafarians who, who change the language for their own uses. Now, how about outfluence? You know, it's something that fluence is coming out of us, you know. Oh, yeah, that's that's fine. That's fine. And, and that's so, therefore, we get healthy with it. We get well, you right. know. And, uh, I mean, it's just, your show is very, very beautiful, and I'm really appreciating it. And only by chance did I turn it on, because usually this time of day I'm not listening to radio. 
Well, hopefully you'll be listening to Congo Live every Saturday at 2 o'clock. We're always on here and we enjoy having callers like you also teaching us about what you know because we're all here to learn together, not only about the Congo, but of the connection between the Congolese and the Americans who are listening to our show. And I'm half American and I'm half Congolese, so it's always a joy to have callers like you calling in. All right, so let me share this one with you. So, um, Sadasan, Dawson, the reason um, I was really, really uh, being so attentive because the bonobos in Zaire, which is either the Congo now or Zaire was called the Congo. I can't remember which it goes right now. You can tell me. Uh, Is it called Zaire now or is it called the Congo now? It's the Congo now. Congo, okay. So these bonobo uh, gorillas, they are matriarchal, as they call them, and there's no fighting, there's no male dominance, there is no dominance among them. They are so peaceful. They did a, a Merlin Public TV program on them. And what is so amazing to me today to share this is thinking about what happened in South Carolina, By nature, those are the kind of people we are. We are not a people of violence. We are not a people of revenge. We are a people of peace. So for us to respond the way that we did in South Carolina is very true to our nature. And that's what we must be proud of, not thinking that we have to be armed in order to be strong. The strength is in our spirit, not in our hand, you know? Or, or in a weapon. So I really, really thank you so much for this program, and I, I want to hear Dawson again. <laughs> I, I feel, are you there? Yes, you can come to New York and sit in on my class. Okay, where's your class? <laughs> this is Columbia University. Columbia University, you're going to have to send a shuttle for me. <laughs> and it's in, the institute, right, it's in the Institute for Research in African American Studies. Okay, I'm going to look for you. You'll hear from me. I well, love it. Thank you so much. Thank and you thank you for call. calling us, Maggie. We're always interested to hear different uh, perspectives of how people view the Congo and how they listen to our show. And speaking of... Um, Patricia, the, you know, it's, it's kind yes, of funny what, what she said about uh, James Brown. Mm-hmm. I was at a recent conference where there was a real gifted scholar from Jamaica, uh, Garnett Cardigan. He, he, was, he was in the middle. He was talking about the references to slavery and reggae music. Mm-hmm. And then he um, played a James James Brown in the middle of his talk, and everybody thinks he's supposed to be doing reggae, and so he said, well, what does that have to do with, with, with um, uh, uh, my talk and, uh, you know, uh, reference to slavery in, in reggae? He said, absolutely nothing. He said, but I think every conference needs some James Brown, you know, but it, <laughs> but it, but it was actually a healing moment because it, it knocked all the pretension out of the scholars. You know how academics can be really pretentious and, you know, uh, condescending. Well, it, after that, you couldn't do that. You, you know, it, it seemed wrong in the conference. The reference to James Brown and the bringing him as a valid entity in, in, in the conference, you know, changed the whole conference. Absolutely. I'm sure James Brown changes any type of mood. And we have another caller who's on the line sure. by the name of uh, Ellen, who's been patiently waiting. Our phones are blowing up. And I know people are really excited to talk to uh, Mr. Dawson today. And hopefully we'll get everybody on the line. And Ellen, are you on the phone with us today? Yes, I am. <laughs> and I thank you for calling Congo my Live. Question. Yes. Can I ask my question now? Yes, you can. Yes, my question is. Hello, Ellen? Hello. I think we may have dropped her. Uh, maybe okay. she'll try to call us back again. But um, I wanted to touch a little bit based on uh, what we were talking about, the whole Charleston and one of our callers who just basically touched briefly on that. Um, what is your feeling around what is going on with uh, with 
how the people are portraying what is going on with the churches and why are where you find these people targeting specifically the churches? Well, one of the things is I, I think part of a, the model of African-American religion is ba- basically Central African-based also. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the fact that the church has become a kind of... Um, a refuge for almost everything, you know, that the church is a place where you can go for the, as, a, as a kind of sanctuary. And the, and the fact that there's so many different churches that, that people feel that they can open a church that's kind of evangelical, not evangelical, but that kind of thrust where you can um, uh, think that you have a direct communication with God is also a central African idea, too, mm-hmm. that everybody has a right to talk to God. And that, But the things that developed out of central African ideas in terms of African-American religion were things like hush harbors or Away stations. These were places where you go into the woods to communicate with God or with the spiritual world. That's a Central African idea again, you know. But it becomes part of our religious tradition. But the church as a as a sanctuary, the church as a place where you can get a, a poor person's child buried, where you can have, you know, they, they, you have a um, hospitalization taken care of by a collective. That's again using a, another Central African model of what the church could be. And 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 one of the problems that you, you know about that church, that particular church in in South Carolina, that was the Church of Denmark Vesey, wow. who, who led one of the major slave revolts. It was founded by him and a few other people. So it's a symbol of that kind of resistance to uh, Euro-American oppression. Wow. You know, but I mean, it's it's really funny you talk about. It. And when Denmark Vesey had had his revolt, it was the major revolt of the Americas, when of the United States. When he had that revolt, that he was waiting for troops from Haiti to come help him, which is again an interesting model too. So and, and so much of this revolves around um, Africans wanting to fulfill their own kind of spirituality. Like w- one of the reasons that drums were outlawed in the United States was because of the Stono Rebellion. And Stono Rebellion. Yeah. People don't seem to remember it was in South Carolina, and it was it was done after three days of drumming and singing, mm. and a year after the Stono Rebellion, drums were outlawed in the United States, at least in South Carolina. But what people were doing, they were revolting and going to Florida because South Carolina is right next to Florida. They were going to Florida because Florida was Catholic, and most of the Central Africans who came were also Catholic. They had already been Christians. So they were going there because they were promised freedom and they, they could uh, practice the kind of Christianity that they wanted to practice. Speaking of uh, resistance movement, I'm very interested uh, in that. You mentioned the Stono Rebellion. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are all the examples of uh, resistance well, the, movement the in America? Revolt. The Haitian Revolt. Again, I, I, and when, when people call in, I check in, they can find that the, the, the book list I gave where John Thornton has written about the, the, the Haitian Revolt. The Haitian Revolt, one of the problems with it was that the kind of um, Euro, Eurocentric or Euro, Europeanized leaders in the cities couldn't communicate with the people in the fields. He feels that the people, and they were speaking either French or Creole in the cities, in the fields they were speaking Kikongo. Yes. That the lingua franca, exactly, they were already speaking that, and you know, the, the, so they, the people who had been kind of Europeanized in the cities, they couldn't talk to the people, and they said they're going to have the revolt whether we have it or not. And they had a revolt using that model, using Central African warfare models, not using European warfare models. It's very so interesting to hear uh, how so many aspects of Congo is connected in our everyday lives, and we're just so not aware of it. Right. And we have Ellen, who's back on the phone with us. Ellen, are you there? was it does the word funk has Congolese root in it I heard 
Yeah, according to Thornton, not Thornton, to Thompson, it comes from uh, Lufunki, which means body odor in Kikongo. Can you explain to us a little bit more, uh, what do you mean by body odor? I know that you briefly mentioned that it doesn't necessarily mean the odor. But it means basically like an elder who who has lived or existed for a long time, but it has an odor. But being in that odor is not problematic or bad. It's it's like being around somebody deep, being um, uh, in a in a in an atmosphere that is uh, more profound, as opposed to being offensive. You know, and, and it, but it's funny because that's just how it's used. James Brown, when he says, um, "Let's get funky," he doesn't mean you know. Um, Let's get offensive. He means let's get deep. Let's take this deeper. Oh, that's a really great correlation. Uh, I've never even thought about it that way, and it brings everything all together. Uh, what are some references you can give? Uh, I know you've mentioned a few, but if you can just remind some of our listeners who may have not had a chance to get uh, a pen and paper to write some of these references to look into, if they want to find out more about the correlations between the old Congo, the new Congo, and the Americas, where are some places they can go to get some of these information? Okay, I, I, I can go slowly because it's a long list. Oh, try to give us uh, maybe, we have time for maybe five or six, and then we can continue. Continue our conversation. Okay. Well, I think you should start with Robert Ferris Thompson. Okay. His book is called Flash of the Spirit, African and Afro-American Art and Philosophy. And it's, a, it's actually compounded because you get five different African civilizations and how they influence the Americas. Okay. He also has Face of the Gods, Art and Altar of Af- Altars of Africa and the African Americas. And those, those books are incredible in terms of bringing together all these different traditions, but understanding how they influence the Americas. And another one specifically for the Congo is called Four Moments of the Thunder. The Sun, Congo Art in Two Worlds. Okay. Uh, let me see. Another good book would be Congo Graphic Writing and Other Narratives of the Sign. This is by Barbaro Martinez Ruiz. He's a brilliant Cuban scholar who is working in South Africa right now. But he also has a... Um, he has a uh, cultural center and a, um, a kind of exploration center in Mbanza, Congo, where they're, where they're celebrating Congo culture and studying Congo culture. And if you can share one more with us. Okay, let me see. Uh, there's so many. I'm trying to figure out which one would be really nice. Um, and just to remind our listeners, um, we're going to have a list on our Facebook page, and you can also go on www.congolive.org. We'll try to get it on there for our listeners who did not get a chance to write it down, and we'll make sure we get the whole list from you, uh, Mr. Dawson. I think it's actually already up. I think uh, it might be up already. Exactly. So you can go on morning. Facebook, Congo Live, and you'll be able to get all this information for those who didn't get a chance to um, hear some of the references that he gave. Well, let, let me give you just, um, this is two quick ones. Too. Sure, Lin- sure. Linda Haywood. It's H-E-Y-W-O-O-D. It's called Central Africans and Cultural Transformations in the, African, in the American Diaspora. Central Africans and Cultural Transformations in the American Diaspora. And the other one is by um, uh, Maureen Warner Lewis. Central Africa in the Caribbean, Transcending Space, Transforming Culture. So, Professor Dawson, we are living in a dying time. Uh, right. All, all around the world, uh, we keep seeing uh, people of color uh, being subjected to inhumane uh, situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at Ferguson, Charleston, sure. Dallas, and so on. And then in the Congo, we've lost 6 million people. Mm-hmm. I've usually argued that... And, and that's not even news. Exactly. So what will, what will be the role 
because I've listened to a lot of your seminars and you spoke a lot about spirituality. Right. And I wanted to know if you could share with our listeners the role of spirituality in the liberation of the Congolese people or the people around well, the world. Well, one thing, if you return to traditional religious forms and in, in the Congo, one thing, extreme wealth is seen as an aberration. So, because you can't be, because there are only 24 hours in a day, you can't be wealthy without exploiting the work of others. So that whole whole idea of, of, that, that Fukuya used to talk about, a kind of spiraling, flat plane of everybody, you know, growing up together, everybody becoming, you know, equally wealthy together, as opposed to that pyramidal structure where only a few get very wealthy and all the rest are very poor. That's a model that comes out of Central Africa that we need to use again. But also one of the models for Central Africa is the understanding of the natural world as being a valuable resource that we can't destroy, that we have to honor. That every plant, every tree has a worth. Every plant, every tree has some kind of medicinal purpose. And how do we, how do we, you, you would not, you know, uh, build a parking lot and, and tear down a park to do that. You would keep the park and understand that the, those plants are valuable, valuable for us continuing in the future. There are all these other models that even though they might not seem religious, they are part of the spiritual tradition that comes to the Americas too. And thank you so much. We're so sorry we ran out of time, Mr. Uh, Dawson. We look forward to having you again because you have so much feedback to give us. And thank you for being on Congo Live with us today. Patricia, it was my pleasure. I'm, Thank you for having me on the show. I'd love to come back. <laughs> and we want to thank Mr. Lubangi Munyanya of Tabilulu Productions for giving us such a great show and for producing such a great show. And Daniel Lin for social media. And Shay, who's not with us today. Uh, but thank you, Shay. We're looking forward to having you again next Saturday. And thank you for our listeners and our supporters. <laughs> WOLB Baltimore, a Radio 1 